Everybody, welcome to episode 49 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Riverside Dodge and Prince Albert, the official truck sponsor and dealership of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live the Cowboys. What's up, folks? Big news, world finals on the go. Velocity finals are done. Camaro's kicked off the PBR Canada season. Scott's underwater, man. We got so much shit on the go. We don't even know where to start, but we'll start with the introduction. Scott, you're out fencing right now. You're in the field. You got shit on the go. What's shaking, brother? Yeah, we're just uh, lots of rain here. Holy fuck. The rivers are overflowing and the town, a little town of Minidosa north of us here. They've done kids aren't going to school for two weeks. They're underwater. Everything's really? underwater. Yeah. Well, they're in a valley though, right? They're in a, it's a beautiful spot. If I recall, I went to a a little story about Minidosa. I went there in the junior steer riding and I woke up in Weyburn. (laughs) True story. What happened at them big rodeos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was only 14 or 15, but that is a true story. I'm not sure what quite, I don't even know what happened. You get smashed, you got hammered drunk or did you fucking get in a wreck? What happened here? (laughs) i went to sleep in some places and woke up in some other places too (laughs) it's the zip codes i wish they had zip codes on our phones very cool jason that's you there what's up buddy what's going on what's new uh hockey hockey bull riding bull riding hockey a little bit of hockey and some more bull riding yeah it's been good good time of year playoff hockey we're getting fired up. PBR teams draft coming out Monday. Mm-hmm. World champion crowned Sunday. We got some invested interest. After got talking some invested with, interest, LT. After talking with our guests that you're going to announce here shortly, I'm even more pumped about this teams thing than before. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, hey, Scott. And that was that was kind of uh, us too, Jason. Right when you first kind of started trying to figure this stuff out. There was a lot up in the air. And then the more you dig and the more you get into it, uh, I think it's going to be pretty badass. And the guys are, there seem to be buying into it now. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of action. I think that it's, it's, it's coming up fast. So it's, everybody's trying to really get behind it and uh, see how it's going to play out now. And we're going to, we're going to see how everybody goes on, on Monday. Once that drafted, it's going to be intense. It's going to be extreme. And you're going to see where these guys end up and uh, ultimately, you know, where their, where their careers are going to go now with this team series. Cause it's a, it's a whole change of pace, a whole change of the game. And we learn lots from Flesco. It's a pretty cool interview. We get lots of, Lots of insights of, of what the guys are feeling, uh, how it's all going. So that's kind of an intro to our guest, Justin Falesco, who's on today. For those that don't know, is uh, we'd call him the PBR insider. We talk about him lots on this show that we follow and get lots of our stats from from Falesco. And uh, all around good guy. That was a fun interview. Hey, that's uh, it was good. Yeah, good. yeah. We always say we're gonna come, we're gonna circle back with our guests, but he's just gonna be he's gonna be a moderator. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we can't, whenever, whenever Scott and I are unable to attend, which at times when we're busy, it's, it's not always easy. We got to make sure we get Felisco on. He, yeah. He'd be perfect. I think he would ask the tough questions too. He does. He always did. That's why, see, I got along with him because we both started kind of on the, on the big tour together, right? Uh, KRC was still, um, was still doing that job when I first came around, but he was bringing Felisco in as his like, underwriter you know and then uh so we yeah exactly (laughs) so so we kind of kind of were both new didn't know a bunch of people so we kind of hit it off right and uh yeah he likes hanging out and having beers and shooting the shit and having fun so um we always had a lot of interviews and you know he'd always tell me about the different guys and how how his job was you know it's it's hard at times because lots of guys they don't want you to know a lot of the shit that's going on with them, whether it be injury or any of that stuff to write about when it comes to sponsors or all that stuff. It's going to be worse now with this team stuff because everybody would be trying to keep all that stuff secret, right? So he'll have his job uh, hard hard to do. But yeah, he's fucking, he, he knows his job and uh, he went to school for it and he didn't give a shit who anybody is. He's he's in there asking questions and not shy to, to talk with the big guns and, you know, Lambert, Ty Murray, all those guys, you know, all yeah, those guys, you yeah, have to, yeah. you have to have some balls to, to go in there and ask some of the questions and shit. Right. And yeah, he's good shit. It's fun, fun catching up with him today. And you kind of get lots of his personality. We didn't even get into his personal life or any of that stuff. No, we, uh, we didn't. You're right. We didn't. <laughs> Poor guy. Just use him for his inside knowledge. Sorry, Felisco. <laughs> we'll get you back for sure we do appreciate you though man yeah no it's pretty cool and this time of year crazy the amount of stuff that's going on as you talk jason usually it's just the season's kicking off kind of getting into the summer break within the the utb series and nhl playoffs are on right now the nhl playoffs are full swing and we're at the end of the regular season of the world finals so tons to talk about tons to get into we we talk about lots of it with Falesco couple of things that we can touch on i guess would be the the velocity finals kicking off or finishing up on the end of the year our boy that we talked about griffin smelter our canadian didn't have the didn't have the finals that he wanted didn't uh didn't stay on his bulls there so he didn't end up winning that or or coming into the world finals but uh we are going to get him back in canada now that 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 didn't go well for him so looking forward to seeing him back up here pa he's going to be at my event so that's going to be fun for for uh, our fans to see a guy that's been rolling and, and uh, in the States all year. So looking forward to having him and Edna Caminhas. Do you guys see that? I think he's older than both of you fucking guys. <laughs> well, what is he? No, no, no. He's actually younger than us, but he ain't that far behind. <laughs> <laughs> no, he isn't. So he's got, he's still good. Bust back out again. I think he's 46, isn't he? 46? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think he's 46. Yeah. I've got a well, picture of him. I've got a picture of him, Tanner. You'd have been a junior bull rider then when he come to Prince Albert. Yeah. I've yeah, got a right. picture of him playing with Jackson and Sutton. Well, Sutton was a baby. Jackson was, well, when he'd been three, playing with his bull riding pens in the kitchen floor. Ed and I, and Ed and I give him the rope. I got an Ed and I Camina's rope, and uh, he drove up with us. And, and he was old then. Like, that was the end of the – career for back then 13 years that was 13 years ago that's crazy would you been a junior yeah sure you would have been yeah yeah i'd have been like 15 years old you'd have been trying to win the camera (laughs) (laughs) fucking right probably did too (laughs) i think you did one time 
<laughs> probably had a fucking afro this big too at the time. <laughs> it's, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so news with Ed Knight, he ends up. Uh, well, he was kind of in and out of retirement for a few years there. I know that he had a kid not too long ago too, and some different stuff going on, and busts back out and uh, sets a record as the oldest guy to ever qualify for the world finals. Rolls in there at forty six, then ends up riding uh bull yeah. the last day mr clean who was uh who's a bull that nobody really rides uh very often there on on the main tour so, yeah. 87, 87 and a half or something yeah. yeah so not just squeaking in there but actually doing some work once he uh once he got there so pretty crazy to see um him that's i mean yeah no matter what like to win the world in 2002 to be that old to be doing well one thing's for certain highest he's level probably burned through the million he won when he won the world I don't even know. Would it have been a million in 2002? I, I don't I know. Don't know. Have to do some research on that. When the million first well, let's came. Go. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah. Well, like all joking aside, then I do. I could. I could make myself available for the draft and have a fighting chance. Is that what we're all going with here? You damn Those right. Guys. A fighting chance <laughs> of getting knocked the fuck out, Ricky. <laughs> Charlie Brown and Spearman Sask. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was there. I you was there. there. If you'd have been doing your fucking job, we wouldn't have got knocked out. No, no, no. The only way I could have saved you is if I had a rubber dinghy that I could have threw between you and the bull's head. That's the only way it would have saved you. If you had Dennis Halstead's tube, yeah, this fucking yeah. tube. You yeah, we went yeah. through lots of rubber dinghies in my career trying to save I'm sure you life. heard this story, Tanner, but I'm not sure if our listeners did. So, Scott. This is in Scott's bull riding career, right? We're at the Silver Buckle Rodeo in Spiritwood, Saskatchewan, which in its day, that was that was a very coveted buckle you wanted to win. It was a, it was like a one of a kind, S- similar to Red Deer Silver Buckle Rodeo, you know, with the red inlay behind it. Um, yeah. So you try hard there at Spiritwood. Probably six hundred dollars <laughs> added back then, which would have been yep. a ton of dough. It would have been one of the bigger CCA rodeos. I was fighting bulls. I was still. That would have been my like probably my second year. And uh, Scott had the Bull of the Year L5 Charlie Brown from the Royal Rodeo Firm. Some might know him as Major Syndicate, too. I think they had. Yeah, yeah. Major Syndicate was another name he had. And uh, he just kind of lumbers out there and wraps her up. And Scott's just, you know, he loves them spurs so much. He better, he thinks he better tap them together (laughs) over his ears. And down he goes and knocked out he is. And, And your dad was bulldogging. He, he was still rodeoing, but for whatever reason, he happened to be in Canada that weekend. So he come over to Spirit with the Bulldog. He walks out in the arena. I'm standing over Scott. A few people were out there, and he's just kind of gathering his chickens there in the arena, trying to figure out if he's in Spiritwood or Flin Flon. And Ryan <laughs> Ryan comes out and looks over top of him and said, Get up and walk out of the arena. And Scott's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets up and he tries to walk out and he don't even know if he's going northwest, south or east. I thought me and Dean Claypool went fishing. That's how fucked up I was. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dean Claypool was the clown. Yeah. Dean was the clown. I said to him after the rodeo, I'm like, I looked at him kind of funny and he looked at me and I said, hey Dean, did we go fishing today? And he goes, oh Scott, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> Nobody even knew what a conky was back then. No, no oh. such thing, man. Oh, that's funny. I like that one. I've heard that one. You never heard that story? Yeah, I have, but it's, it's good yeah. every time you hear it. Our, our listeners yeah. have it, so that's perfect. Yeah, that's great. No, but Ryan showed zero sympathy 
for his nephew, none whatsoever. And I think it was after that is when he told you maybe you should, uh, you know, it would be okay if you tried to. If you, you should spit out the marbles or get your speaker cleared out. You got some chop dust in your phone there or what's going on, Scott? <laughs> no, it just takes a minute. Once he starts talking, then it gets then it gets good. But it's like right yeah. when he first starts talking, it's it's mumbly. Yeah, Scott. So, well, we'll see. I don't know. They might take you. Yeah, I'm sure like we talk in this episode, they're going to need some guys once uh, mid-season, end-of-season comes around. So, if I can, hey. I appreciate it. We can stick our necks out for you. <laughs> Big news in the hockey world. Fucking, uh, I'm sure you guys seen it last night. So it'll be two nights ago now that this episode drops. But Josh Manson of the Colorado Avalanche nets himself his first ever playoff goal, which just so happened to be the overtime winner of game one. Not a bad ordeal that went. That was uh, pretty cool to see. Hey, guys, see yeah, that one? Form, former guest. Did we? Uh, did anybody notice uh, another one of our former guests that was involved in that game have uh, what you would call maybe a little bit of a temper tantrum in the penalty box and wanted to beat up the camera? Yep, and he lost it. And the slash, the high stick was on Josh on, too. So on Manson, I guess, yeah. Yeah. actually, you know what? I didn't get when they were when they were talking about it after, like in between uh, the third and overtime. Nobody mentioned that Josh could, you know, that it was almost like a hold or an interference penalty on Josh, I thought. But Braden obviously felt the same way I did. That, uh, oh. What will that Man. cost them? What will, will they find them or something for that? Will they not, you think, for wrecking that camera? Or what do you think? I don't know what, how that will work. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he cares. I, know. I really, I, I could tell by the emotion it would have mattered. He just needed to vent. Yeah. And that camera. How about the how about the chubby dude in the penalty box? Did you see him slide over a couple couple <laughs> feet? He was like, "Oh, this is gonna get scary." He just kind of <laughs> shuffled over, and oh, I can't go no more. There's boards and plexiglass on this side. <laughs> I'm stuck right here. Uh, no, that was cool. Intense games. All these games have been intense. But I uh, I texted Josh and I asked him. Um, well, I said good job last night and then today I said I bet your fucking phone has just been blowing up because my phone just being his buddy was blowing up right the amount of texts and calls and tweets and everything that was going on right so I couldn't imagine him and he said he had but by the time he got his um by the time he got his gear off back in the dressing room he had 90 notifications not 90 texts really? <laughs> yeah. yeah well I mean I mean that's huge like that's fucking that's that's a childhood dream right overtime playoff game game winner that's fucking that's what well, every kid dreams there's of. five game sevens in the first round yeah tonight tonight overtime for game one Rangers Carolina I'm not going to reveal what happened because it pissed me off but uh, yeah there's been a lot of a uh, little talk with the officiating. Have you have you noticed any of that, Jason? I'm sure there always is, but always. Yeah, yeah. It's been good watching though. Fucking intense. Lots of. It's been rough. It's been rowdy, and for a league that has kind of went away from a lot of that rowdiness, it's good to see. It's always good to see playoff hockey when it comes back. It's always yeah. goes back to old time hockey and what we all what we all love. I, about I agree. I agree. I agree. Which is why guys like Josh, Chen, the people that we have on this podcast, the rough and rowdy type of fellers seem to step up to the plate when it comes fucking playoff time, right? It's more their more their style of game, I think. Is that a fair statement, I, Jason? Well, Josh 
well, he's kind of it's bred right into him. You know, yeah, you plant yeah. a potato, you get a potato. So Josh Manson, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, you're you're going to get a competitor. I think Braden Shen, playoff Braden Shen, is why he's making the money he's making. Um, just an absolute freaking warrior in the playoffs. So, but you know what? I wasn't surprised to see him that pissed off. And I was just kind of surprised that nobody mentioned that there could have been a call on Josh. Either way, I didn't care, but that's why Braden was pissed. I guarantee it. You know, you put your team down. That's just not his style to put his team down by a man in, in overtime, you know, or actually, sorry, it was the end of the end of the third period, right? It was end uh, of the third. Minutes left. So, um, and Josh I, was not falling like that's it wasn't like it wasn't like your regular high stick where his stick was right. up and he was just turning around at the same time and Josh happened to yeah. be falling down so you know that's why yeah. he was also pissed I think because yeah. it's not it wasn't like yeah. you know but then I heard high the stick, exit, there was nothing yeah. high about the contact you know yeah. Josh was falling and and but you are you are to be in control of your own twig yeah yeah exactly that's part of that at all right? times so. yeah. Yeah, but no, it's pretty cool. So we had to give a shout out to Josh because I fucking was watching it on my iPad in bed and I was getting my little girls to sleep and they'd just gone to sleep and I fucking went, yeah, <laughs> boy, howdy, and woke everybody. Yeah, and you know what? It was house. a nice play. It was a nice play too. Uh, you kind of walked that line a little bit and faked the shot and found a hole and and I don't know who was who the ab was with the oh Landis Landis Club, yep. yeah, the old captain. Mm-hmm. And he just, if you watch it in slow-mo, he just kind of like pivoted to just let that puck through. And it's, right. you know, it was, it was good. And Bennington had a hell of a game. Oh, I feel bad for him. I, the goaltenders, you got to you gotta remember, there's only 64 of them in the world that play in the National Hockey League, right? 34 or, you know, 34 starters in the world. So yeah. toughest position right. in hockey you know, he give the he give the Blues every opportunity to win that game. And well, you know what, Scott, we should hear from you as an old goaltender. You know, give us your take on this. Like you, you were only one click off making the national level, weren't you? Yeah, you know what really got, what really got me was the uh, throat shots and warm up. That was the toughest part. <laughs> of <laughs> you know, the Central Hornets was a tough league and uh, the old timer league and and the, the, like I, I'm not lying. The toughest part was warm ups when they'd rifle them at your throat. So your uncles, um, <laughs> <laughs> your uncles, ah <laughs> uh, shit, like uh, assholes. <laughs> yeah, moving on from that, I guess World Finals. Like I said, we don't have to touch on a whole bunch of stuff because we go through it all with Flesco. But a couple of things that I did want to. Uh, um, acknowledged when I was kind of watching through online. Well, the first was fucking Facebook, how we were supposed to be able to have it, and then we didn't have it, and then so we don't get to watch any of it, which is absolutely fucking garbage. But uh, well, Facebook's a lot like Instagram, especially when you have a hacked account, they'd never come through. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to send out my apologies to all of our listeners right now. Um, no, I'm not trying to sell you any clothing line or Bitcoin. <laughs> Damn it all. No, I don't know no, what went I'm on getting, with the with the is I'm everybody getting, still calling you? Yeah, yeah, I'm still getting messages today. Casey, our resident writer, Miss Casey Albert, sent me a message today. And I just called her. I said, Casey, I need you, I need you to dig deep on this and help give me a hand here. Cause it actually cost one company some money, unfortunately. That would would really piss me off. Yeah, 2600 bucks. No, I'm like, have yeah. I ever asked for a PayPal? I don't even know what PayPal is. Yeah, they they worked them for twenty six hundred. 
US dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I said, no, you guys, come on, come on. Have I ever asked for money? Like you guys need to reach out. So please unfollow that old account 3d underscore bull riding. And if you notice, it's only got one L and I didn't really care. I thought, you know, you get hacked, whatever, but now they're, they're reaching out to people like continuously and any conversations I would have had on Instagram with people, they're engaging in, in conversation again with them and saying they're me, Jason with 3d bull riding, like they know what they're doing and it's unfortunate, but it's costing some people some money, which pisses me off. So just unfollow, report and unfollow 3d dot bull riding. Let's try to follow that one. There we go. Wouldn't you love to find that little fucker that was sitting at the, computer screen doing all that as it was happening i'll show you the i'll show you the message i sent them and then you can you can take that for for the answer you're looking for there scott bastards okay well i know i didn't know that was going on yeah yeah never yeah people don't don't uh oh yeah it's like old people or, or grandparents and stuff that they there was a there was a megan had a story about that that uh one of her friends got a same thing it was like a spam call but it was that their kid had been arrested and uh needed bail money and uh, it was like an older it was his grandparents and they went right to the fucking bank and they were going to get out the 10k that these people that they wanted you know because you don't know i guess like you know it's afterwards it's always like what the fuck but yeah so don't don't uh don't fucking fall for anything no. any calls or any messages or any of that stuff i know it's it was uh legit, they did the but, same fuck. thing to me they did the same thing to me i thought it was michael lane one of the bull riders that come to canada a few times and reached out to me and was just we were just having a conversation i thought i was texting back and forth with them and boom the next thing you know it they got i don't know how they do it like they're they're a little more sophisticated than i am that's for sure yeah it's, it's frustrating you almost want to just delete everything but um then how would we know what felisco's talking about if i deleted everything <laughs> yeah, right exactly. yeah, you know it. you better start yeah. tweeting some more too we need more tweets from felisco yeah we should actually give him uh like uh it, it should be one every three minutes like i don't even care if there's nothing going on just say tweet nothing going on <laughs> yeah during the finals yeah this is what we know like he's still alive and with us you know yeah because he can he can take a, like a 30 minute break and i know they're bucking at least one or two bulls in that 30 minutes no matter how bad shit's going right still rolling uh a couple of the shout outs though so yeah so i guess for our canadian folks you don't get to watch the world finals on facebook that was uh um, false information as well so we'll just have to keep up like you say with flesco but one thing i did notice that they did which i thought was great um they had a like the night before like an event kickoff you know they they did a presentation for the riders gave them their jackets and all that sort of stuff which um seems like that should be something that they do every year but they i know for a few years there that wasn't we didn't do that at all and i think that helps so much for the guys it makes it feel like more of a finals we do it with the pbr canada finals with the type odds bond foundation thing but um as much as it seems like it's just it's nothing or it doesn't mean nothing to the guys I know that that means a lot to to the guys at the year end to to have that kind of banquet and bring your wife and yeah. have that presentation. Yeah. Little little things like that really shows the shows the guys' appreciation for what they've been able to do through the year. And so I wanted to give a shout out to to PBR or whoever got that. I don't know how it went or what, but I know that from being in that position, that is a that is a big ordeal that 
that uh, you don't want to get skipped. So good job on that one. You know what we should do on ours, though? I think we should go Wednesday night with the Pause Bond Foundation, just so everybody has a day to sleep it off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just got to be responsible like me and not, uh, not take it too far. You were yeah. looking after the kids, giving your wife the night out. That was the only <laughs> difference. <laughs> yeah, for once. No, that's good. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. And then um, I noticed that, I don't know if you guys see this or not, but they must have had like uh, this company that does IVs for all the boys. Did you see this? All the it was all the guys' oh, yeah. Instagrams, they were all smashing IVs. That's kind of a new thing. Do you guys ever, have you ever done that? Uh, got an IV uh, for... We, tr- we tried it in Vegas, MGM. They got a... Um, is it called the oxygen bar or something like that? The O. Yeah, they do the oxygen where they pump like oxygen in your well, nose. No, this was an IV. This was? is an IV. Yeah. 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 They have it at the MGM. I know that's where we did it. Yeah. It's pretty kind of cool. After, after, you know, PBR world finals or the NFR, like after, you know, day four or five, maybe six, seven or eight, who knows? Like, yeah, you might need a little. Injection or something. You need somebody. Yeah, I remember guys. Actually, just three days after being in Vegas, I remember guys when they were, you know, they were friends with like uh, medics, like paramedics and shit like that. They'd, you know, be hungover and smash an IV in them and be back in the game. I remember Jesse doing it in Nashville a couple times. I've never done it, but seems to work. And these guys, they were. It wasn't like they were partying like the the riders. It was just the day of the event, so they must have been promoting it for this company. So just trying to get some fluids for the to be ready for the perf. So I thought that was kind of different. That seems like a, a younger generation is doing more of that stuff now. But I don't ever recall ivs or any of that being like a normal thing that you just did in the parking lot (laughs) we didn't even have a we didn't even have a red bull for christ's sake when we did it (laughs) you You guys guys, (laughs) scott's phone died (laughs) scott's out uh fuck and then we see uh frank newsome he he announced his um retirement (laughs) and uh didn't go so well for him. We talk about it with uh, Falesco here too, but uh, ends up getting wrecked out at the the bullfights. Goes in to save a guy and um, takes one in the in the stomach and messed him up pretty bad. But led me to to wondering, Jason, have you ever seen uh, something like that happen, or did you ever have to jump out there and try to help somebody without you know not being the bullfighter or not be in any gear or anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah, you do. That's that's instinct back in the day. Um, absolutely. Lots, lots of times, especially when you're younger, I found it. Um, cause I never went and watched anything when I was older, you know, yeah. I just really didn't. But, you know, when I, after I retired, um, we were up at, uh, the big bull ride in Wanham and, and, uh, one of the bullfighters got X'd out right off the hop and Wade Marshawn was, was riding bulls at the time and Wade was pretty good hand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, been around some, you know, raised bucking bulls and been around them and whatnot. And uh, he's running around. He's got to get ready. So I just, there's a couple muleys up. So I, uh, I, I stepped around him with my cowboy boots and my, my mic on. <laughs> Might have been up there that year. I remember uh, when you stepped in when Scott broke his back that time. Sorry, folks. We've actually lost Scott due to his phone dying out in oh, the pasture. Yeah, but yeah, he broke his back. Remember that year, Scott did. Yeah, and I and I slipped right over. down. And I slipped. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's that's why I quit right yeah. there. Yeah, I did it once. Well, I've done it lots, but um, 
one of the probably stands out more is I was in the first section of bull riding and Bruce one year and uh, Curtis Smythe was fighting bulls and got wiped out. And then the second section was coming and I went and grabbed uh, Smythe's uh, cleats. Please. And then, yeah. And then me and uh, I think Monty Phillips fought the, fought the second oh, section yeah? of bulls. Yeah. yeah. So I was at a pro rodeo. So that was kind of, yeah, cool. you got your pro card before you knew it. Yeah. Plus like in the amateur days and stuff, right. You know, I had like one, one bullfighter. So anytime there was ever usually a hang up or a wreck like that, you'd always be bailing well, out there. Lots of times you had to, you know what I mean? And it's, it was nothing against the bullfighters, but yeah, one fucking guy out there, right. They, they need help when it comes to a bad wreck or a knockout or something like that. So one time remember, the dirtiest uh, one I fucking seen was uh, Eddie, the Eagle, was fighting bulls. I can't remember what his real name is, but Eddie the Eagle, we called him. You probably knew him. He fought bulls for Stan Weatherly. Big, long ponytail. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know him, but I know yeah. who you're talking about. Super nice guy. Anyway, f- uh, first bull out, wipes out. Uh, he gets wiped out. It was like half shot or double shot, one of them big, scary brindles of Weatherly's. And he gets knocked out. and Flame shot. Something, yeah. He comes back behind the shoots and he gets his chickens gathered up. There's only about five or six of us. And uh, my dad was there. And I remember, I think it was Mark Knutson, one of the bull riders. He's like, hey, Ryan, you got your cleats here? And he's like, fuck no. But he was always like that, too. Like, he was always in there, no matter what. He was, oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Especially I've seen, you boys riding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Whenever there'd be hangups or anything, there's a bunch of pictures of him just in his Wrangler jeans and boots just going but You know what, shit. though? We fought, like, you don't even know what a slack is. Yeah, like, I know it's when, when I, no, <laughs> but, but never you've never experienced them. one. Yeah, no, no. But when I when I started, it was nothing for us to have fifteen or eighteen bull riders in the slack. Yeah, like so. For any of our novice listeners out there, back in the day, if there was too many entries, which we haven't experienced in a lifetime, it seems. But if you couldn't put all the bull riders in in performance one or two or three, there'd be a slack performance, and it was always like at eight in the morning. Yeah, it's so too early. Yeah. way too early. And it sure wasn't the morning, like before the whole rodeo started. It was like Sunday morning after the, you know, the rodeo dance, which was why we got into this business when we were 16 years old. Right. Yeah. And uh, we just do it in our jeans. Like, yeah. seriously, we just jeans and a T-shirt. No, I got Girl. pictures of me running around bulls in bigger Saskatchewan in my jeans and a T-shirt cleats. Yeah. Oh, like nothing. Scary. Like just that was what you did, you know. Old school. Yeah. So this day we were in Eston, Eston, Saskatchewan, and Eddie gets wiped out on the first one, and then the, he came back out there, but was like obviously, like we said, concussions weren't really a thing at that time. He came back out there, but obviously wasn't wasn't really there. And JJ Koopman got on this little uh, little red Mexican looking bull of Weatherly's, and he was pretty much just a fucking fighting bull. And he just kind of loped out to the middle and then loped back towards the chutes. And right as he got to the chutes, he went to try to bail over him while JJ was still on his back. And he hit kind of like the top rail and then just fell straight over backwards, smashed JJ's head off the ground and ding, night, night egos, right? Right to sleep. And this bull is fucking mean while he wipes out Eddie right away. And then I remember... My dad was already out there. Everybody, it was last bull out. So me and Logan Cadillac, we rode. We bail off the back of the bucket chutes to go help. Uh, Warren Weatherly bails off the back of the bucket chutes. This fucking thing wipes out Warren. And then uh, 
I get him kind of coming towards me in the middle and then he swaps ends and goes back towards the buck and shoots. And uh, I always remember Caddy said my dad was down and he just had the bear hug over top of JJ knowing that bull was going to come back and Caddy was standing there and not knowing what to do. And uh, he's like, what do I do? And I, I always remember he said, my dad said, get the fuck down. And he got about halfway down and that thing just mushed him, <laughs> smacked him into the plexiglass, the old hockey rink, you know, but then just yeah. fucking turned and went to Mullen, uh, Mullen Rhino. He was on top of JJ, but wouldn't let him go. And I mean, yeah. fucking mauled him for a long time and he wouldn't let go because JJ was belly up, right? Yeah. Oh, cold belly up. Oh, and probably screaming a little. He was out cold. He was just not even know where the hell he was. So oh. my dad was just getting fucking hooked. And I'm just like a little fucking 15 year old kid, whatever the hell. And I'm like, dad, get up, get up. And he's just, <laughs> he's this old bullfighter just hunkered in, not letting JJ get stomped. And this thing is fucking stomping him and mauling him. <laughs> oh, fuck me. So I get this thing gathered by the head and he hooks me off and chases me off out to the middle. And then they're still down. So I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to fight this thing. So I stood out in the middle. Butters was there. Dakota was there as a kid. We'll have to ask him about this. There was a bunch of people. And I went to just fighting them out in the middle, and it was going good. Then I was getting tired, so I took him to the barrel. Never worked a barrel in my life. I was like, all right, here we go. And uh, didn't know, like, an empty barrel has no weight. So I took him there and fucking yeah. smacked smack the barrel. And this barrel just he hits that barrel and just shoots it over the top of my head. And then I guess where Butter came in, I went running to the fence and Butters threw his hat and ended up saving me too. So small world, a lot of shit happened. Small world, <laughs> small world. You know yeah. what? Though the slack was that in a slack performance or is that no, actual rodeo? Performance? That was a rodeo. Yeah, that was rodeo performance. Yeah, you don't see yeah, much of that some, stuff anymore. There's some good stuff went on in the slack performance. I, we were up in Dawson Creek, and I can't remember if um, it was a bull of Kester's. You and I. That bull might have went to the to the NFR. He's a black bull. He was good. He's just inconsistent. Anyway, Dawson Creek's a big arena up there in that outdoor arena. And it was slack performance. And that bull decided not to buck and get out in the middle, and he was mean as shit. I, I think it was Kelly that was on. Anyway, he gets bucked off, and I picked him up, and, and, and that bull wouldn't leave me. Like, I was out, and I couldn't go nowhere. I had to keep squaring up and making rounds, and I was getting played out. And, and Chad Pegan. He, he kind of read the play and he's like Davidson's gonna get her out there like and there's nobody out there there's one of us one bullfighter and he comes out there and shit's kind of going south and I'm like what are you doing he goes I'm coming to help you I'm like get like there'll be two of us laying out here soon. get out of here man yeah, yeah no, no slack performance man you can always count on the buddies to help you out yeah yeah that was kind of fun like, you, you know if you did that like to lots of bullfighters they would fucking lose their mind like stay away and let them do their job but these were different scenarios where there was like bullfighters wrecked out and like yeah. you had you know there was there's times when you gotta help you know and you see that you don't see it as much anymore with the bull ropers and and everything yeah. that kind of comes no, into no. play as much but i'm like them, my cca days guys, you know? yeah three yeah, guys three right guys. cca days there was one guy and and yeah, and you know what? There's there were situations in the in the, on the one man days where it's almost impossible. Like you can't be in two places at once. You just cannot. That's why we we changed to the two man system. It's yeah. it's yeah. it was just way too dangerous to only have one guy out there. And the switch and to American to uh, to Brazilian bull ropes. You know, like everybody rode with an American rope, and ninety percent of the time, if you got bucked off, you were hanging up. You know, yeah. like you look yeah. at the videos from the last 10 years to 10 years earlier, the amount of hangups 
you know, they're cut down by, I would say what, 95%. Like you see a hang up now. It's, it's like kind of crazy, right? Back in the day. I know for myself included, if I didn't stay on, I was hung up every fucking time I got on. Right. Scott Scott Schiffner might've been the king back in my day. Yeah. Scott Schiffner, uh, Chad Wakefield liked to hang a little bit. Uh, Robert Bowers tied himself in there tight. Yeah. Fucking he did truck and trailer yeah. barrier off and let's go baby that's yeah. well, uh, hey how about shout out to robert bowers uh um good cowboy pro rodeo uh canadian pro rodeo hall of fame last week and the late great he was a mentor of mine and your buddy best buddy your dad's todd bogus mm-hmm. uh unfortunate um but you and i had to be in camrose for the pbr which we got to give a shout out to the to jeff Turnquist and Coy Robbins on that, but I wanted to make mention of that. Uh, I was disappointed I couldn't be there to to see Todd get uh, put in the hall. But um, anyway, him and Robert Bowers. I'm not sure who else. Those are two guys that uh, you know were big influence on on me in this business and uh, uh, very well deserved. Yeah, well said. Those are some legends right so pretty cool to it's good to you know always what? see those guys get the get the honors and the, the kudos that they truly deserve you know you know what rob rob bell um everybody knows rob bell two-time canadian champion pbr world finalist nfr bull rider um he he wrote a he wrote a piece and put it on facebook about robert and it talks about him breaking his arm in the fifth or sixth round and having to borrow rob's rope to switch bulls and he still yeah. placed and rode bulls with his wrong hand at the national finals rodeo. That's epic. Like, think about it. Think about that shit. Yeah, that's nuts, dude. That's fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah crazy stuff. Crazy yeah. stuff. That's like changing hands in the NHL playoffs, going from yeah. playing left hand to right hand. Left handed shop, and yeah, that's yeah. like Ovi trying to, you know, yeah. he's going to stand at the other side with a right handed stick and and one-time slappers you know it, it ain't happening or sorry left-handed slip stick yeah yeah, yeah. It ain't happening. robert was kind of cool man when i was um first going to some pro rodeos he ended up coming out of retirement and uh a guy that just battled through all sorts of injuries one of the toughest fucking guys ever to do it to do the sport um but uh it didn't go well for him like he didn't have much success when i was when i was coming around he was near the end of his career but it was just same thing it was like one of those legends that you got to share a locker room with and watch and somebody you grew up watching you know kind of thing so uh very fortunate to get to spend a little bit of time you know in the same arena and stuff like that obviously not in his prime but still just to like see him see him going and traveling the road and it was yeah it was pretty cool to see you know like i say a childhood hero to get to share a locker room with him was cool Rob, Rob Bell, again, in that same um, article he wrote or that piece he wrote to be read at the at the Hall of Fame induction was he might not have been uh, Mike Tyson tough, but he was cowboy tough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he was and he was like, you know, you couldn't. Oh, man, I remember in Calgary, there's some pictures of it. I forget the one. I'm sure it was a Kester Bull big white bully hung up and his rope slid underneath them. There's actually a, I think there's a picture of the bulls nuts, like literally in while his hand is tied in, in Robert's <laughs> face. That, now that's a wreck. That's, that's a wreck. wreck. That's a wreck. He, uh, and he rode the bad ones, rode 
um wolfman yeah. rampage like all the bad yeah. cats man well i yeah. think wolfman may have been no maybe not never mind that was at a rodeo oh, he showed cool. up there he didn't even know what that bull was yeah actually yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. look like a little rope and steer he said yeah pretty cool oh sponsor read let's go baby riverside dodge in prince albert saskatchewan is the home of the award-winning ram truck they are the brand you trust to haul a trailer load of ranked bulls along with your crew up front in the cab. Whether you want to go check fences or tailgate outside the next PBR event, the boys at Riverside Dodge have the right truck for you. Riverside Dodge is not only the dealer of choice in northern Saskatchewan, but also sells and services all across western Canada. Go see Ty and the gang at Riverside Dodge for a fair, no-bullshit deal on your next truck and tell them that Tanner sent you. Riverside Dodge and Prince Albert is the official truck dealership and sponsor of the NFP podcast. Boom. Really, really good crew over there. I went and uh, uh, did some did some photos there today. Me and me and Ty and the gang and uh, Cam, we uh, did some pictures and going to do some promo stuff for Riverside Dodge. They got some cool trucks and a bunch of cool stuff on the go there. So. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Do, we have a, do we have a beer sponsor yet? No, we need a new one. Yeah, we need a new okay. one. Okay. All right. I'm I'm gonna go with nine mile here. I'm gonna reach out to Sean and tell him. Yeah, we need it. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, they're always good. Uh, a couple other things that we um should touch on before we go. We gotta get to this interview pretty quick. Plus, we got some hockey games on that we gotta watch. Yes, yes we do. We gotta go. Uh Bruiser, one of the most legendary bulls yeah. of all time, dies. We gotta we just gotta give a shout out to him. Uh, fuck three-time world champion back-to-back one of the biggest most accoladed bulls that there's been in the history of bull riding uh the stories and the high scores and my generation of guys that was that was the bull you know so it was pretty uh sad to see him go but but great career and and uh pretty uh pretty nostalgic right he's he's fucking been everywhere rodeo side pbr side he's yep. he literally did it all one of the most you know, biggest careers that a bull has ever had. So uh, those things are like family and a bull like that, that, that HD page was best buddies with. It seemed like be tough loss, but uh, amazing career that he had. Yeah. It'd be like losing a, yeah. It'd be like losing a kid for the pages. Yeah. That's their boy right there. So I got to get on him once when he was like a three-year-old and fucking wiped me out. Well, it didn't really wipe me out. Just buck me off fast. <laughs> was he was he pretty good size then? Like yeah, for yeah. a long legged yeah. guy like you, you couldn't use that as an excuse. He just flat bucked you. Up. No, I just flat bucked my ass off. Yeah, him and him and uh, him and Brutus, Bruiser and Brutus were three year olds that they were bringing to the classics, which is normally four year olds, and they were winning winning everything. That was like two thousand. I don't know, 14, 15, maybe something like that. So you had all the classic bulls and then you had those two in there and they were short round bulls, not just classic bulls yeah. at that time, you know, but they were in the long yeah. round in the classics. I think I actually got on them in a 15, 15 is where I had on them, but yeah, didn't do so swell. Um, he was one that you did everything right. You're fucking, you're going 90 and it felt good. And, you know, it looked, the guys made it look pretty easy and flashy when they did it, but yeah. you stub your toe, you make one little mistake and, he makes you look dumb, right? So a lot of high scores, but a lot of buck offs with him too. So great bull, great bull that uh, got to give shout outs to as well. Our boy, Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone had to freaking back out of his fight due to illness, but they're going to reschedule that. Uh, talk to Cowboy via Instagram. 
very disappointed that, that that had to go down that way, but coming back and he made an announcement that he's getting to 50 fights, I think. So he's got two more, two more fights in him. He said, and then he's fucking riding off into the sunset. So we get to see cowboy a few more times. What a legend. And he's rescheduled there. Yeah. yeah. Right. You saw that. Yeah. But yeah. And we better do give a shout out to uh, the Stetson Wright invitational champ, Briggs Madsen. 30,000 added young Stetson has for that open bull riding in his hometown. Um, had some good riders too. Jake Gardner, Canadian, uh, Kai Hamilton, I know was there competing. Um, and yeah, young Briggs. Do uh, you remember Briggs as a steer rider at the Calgary Stampede? Yeah, I do. Briggs was paralyzed. Eh? He broke his back and was paralyzed. So for him to be where, where he is today, uh, good for him. Uh, and then we better... Look after our own backyard here. Hats off to Coy Robbins, PBR yep. bull rider. Currently the number one man in PBR Canada after winning his own bull ride. And his first PBR Canada event win. I didn't know that, that that was his first ever, ever. win. Yeah. Yeah, ever, ever, yeah. ever. Yeah, huge shout out to Coy. That was uh, that was a great event. The crowd was pumping through the roof, sold it out, I think. And, and, uh, yeah, you, they did. Yeah, yeah. You, you could tell in that building too. It was, you know, one of those ones where – um, you can't even hear the whistle, right? Cause it's so loud. So good atmosphere. And, and you couldn't, they, I think they were, did they not ride the first four? First yeah, three, was, for sure. Yeah, they were sticking first three, one, two, and three. And then it kind of simmered down a little bit. We had nine rides and then two in the short, right? 11 total. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's good. And yeah, Coy takes the win on, uh, Scory's Winston Bruce. So, uh, yeah, two bulls, a bull to watch and a guy to watch this year that uh, hopefully have some breakout years. Bull to bull. watch. Yeah, I was going to get that. Ted. Wild Ted hogs. of the Schmelnick Wild Hogs firm. Yeah. <laughs> that thing fired. He's still out, though. He, he's had, we got to, I want to see it two more times. Otherwise, um, we'll stay in the Hogs firm. What was the white bull they had there, the Muley? Uh, Phantom Fury. Uh, yeah, it was good. And then the the red muley that Lonnie West got on was good. Al Capone mm-hmm. and Lindsey Collier's uh, X6 Ranch red was really good too. Muzzle blast. Muzzle blast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really good trip. So yeah. some good bulls, some good bulls, just good honest bucket bulls too. Nothing, you know, nothing real dirty. Ted, Ted might, I tell you what, you better have your bras and sticky that day yeah he bucked <laughs> kicked through it and bucked and uh yeah had all the attributes that you want in a bucking bowl getting up in the air bucking and yeah that was a, that was a great bull. he's a pearl harbor son uh like you say i've seen him have maybe a couple bad trips but i think he's just young he's just he's just figuring it out still you know so he starts putting back-to-back uh numbers up like that and trips like that up that's when you'll see uh in the short rounds and in uh, in the southern state of America uh, for some big bucks. That's a real the real deal. He's coming to the Clooney Cooper Memorial end of May, so we'll see what he does there as well. So looking forward to that. Oh, it'll be fun in that pen. Yoo-hoo, they're all fun in that pen, baby. I'm I'm getting up. It'll be like that white that white bull of Josh's. No thanks. I want to get on the other side of the fence. Yeah, for sure. Hey, speaking of, shout out to our Canadian bulls, Norse God, Happy Camper. And sticking and moving brought everybody to the pay window, huh? Yep. Great scores. 87 was the lowest on Norris God, but had a great trip. And, you know, JRV, he makes bulls, 
you know, looked pretty easy, right? So it was a great bull ride. Could have been way more points and uh, ends up placing in the round. And then you get an 89 on sticking and moving, Andrew Alvidrez, and an 89 and a bit on Happy Camper, K.E.K. Pacheco. So yeah. Yeah, I talk about it with wonder, uh, Falesco, if, but uh, pretty crazy yeah. those bulls to fucking not have any trips and just get through this winter and how hard I it is. Give, there, cool. I should have given Kaiki a heads up that with a bad foot, not the best bull to be wasting time on in the box. <laughs> he will, he will make you pay in there. Yeah. So this is kind of, this has been fun. Um, we, we didn't really touch in this intro on the world finals a whole bunch due to the fact that we really get into it with Flesco here in this next interview. So um, we can get to that, but you know, shout out, a couple different shout outs, but shout out Dalton Castle riding Tulsa time. Uh, we had him picked with our NFP picks for the, the round one win. He almost pulls that through. And then Brady Olson, what a story that is guy that uh, came back and you can kind of look at his interviews of, of the struggles that he's had to go through in the last few years and back on top, back at the world finals and round win. Huge. Unreal. You remember when Brady Olson twisted the black of wild dogs at Sastel center to win 25,000? Yes, sir. Liquid fire. In one ride, liquid yeah. fire. That was yeah. the monster ride of the night. Is that what we used to call it? Remember on the two day events, you got yeah. to get on and it was, it was that, it was that bowl. I think three of the four of the, whatever, how many events we had back then was on that bowl and nobody had wrote them. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, we were just like, we just got it one more time and we can bank that money. <laughs> Brady Olson shows up and twists them. Sticks them, takes all the money yep. home. <laughs> Take it all home. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I think that, uh, yeah, that pretty near covers everything that we have. There's so much to talk about that, uh, you know, we miss a lot during the during these pods with going every two weeks. But we appreciate everybody um, listening in and uh You'll get the cool insights here before the for the second weekend of the world finals uh, here today with with Justin Falesco's insights and then the draft. So next time we come back to you guys, uh, we'll have crowned a world champion and then we'll uh, talk about this draft and everything that's going on within that world. Plus, we'll have my event, uh, the Clooney Cooper Memorial at my house in Prince Albert PBR finished up. So there'll be tons to talk about when we come back and we can't wait and we appreciate you guys and all the support, like we say every time, but it, it's uh, it's fun to, to have the interactions and get everybody's insights on on their opinions on all this different stuff. So good luck to the boys, all the 3D bull riding athletes at uh, the PBR World Finals uh, and as well at oh, the draft. Nice plug. Good plug, good plug. Yep, really good to see. So uh, good luck to all the boys. Good luck to, you know, all of our Canadian contingent down there at the World Finals. And... Uh, it's fun. Can't wait to see how it plays out and who's going to be this year's world champion. So we appreciate you guys tuning in with that. We will go to our interview with Justin Falesco. Our guest today is the senior writer, editor of the PBR, better known to us as the Insider of the PBR and good friend of the show. One of the biggest assets the PBR has, in our opinion, Mr. Justin Falesco. Falesco, what is up, my man? What's up, guys? What better way for me to spend time in Fort Worth, Texas than hopping on the podcast? I could be out at Cowtown. I could be, you know, getting a burger or a beer. But no, I'm going to hang out with you guys for a bit first. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you can still have a burger and a beer on this show. We're, we're wide open to that. Yeah. I should have. Yeah, <laughs> 
<laughs> so what's new, man? How's uh, how's things kicking? You 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 brought it up. You're in Fort Worth. World Finals are going on. What's uh, what's keeping you busy on these days off? Shoot, man, just trying to gear up for the final couple of rounds. This competition has been. I can swear on this podcast, right? It's been a badass freaking competition. And <laughs> these boys, they they brought it. There was a lot of concern, right? How would the guys adjust to this first ever finals in the springtime? Usually we're winding down for the summer break. And I'll tell you what, these guys at top of the world standings, they are freaking bringing it. It's been a great competition. I just can't wait to see what happens come this weekend because it really feels like, hell, mathematically after the first weekend, everyone – even is in contention for that world title. Mm-hmm. But I think those top guys, man, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So, well, it's, okay. So mathematically, Justin, you're telling us that, but in your opinion, and we respect your opinion on this, is it a five man race or is it a four man race? I mean, honestly, it can be a 15 man race. If Cody Jesus goes eight for eight and wins the finals, and say, Dalen, Joao, those top guys buck off. Jesus could be your world champion. But realistically, what I think, I think it is probably a, a five-man race right now. That top five is, they're the heavy hitters in this. And over the course of eight rounds, you guys know this, it's got to be the most complete bull rider that wins this thing. We've yeah. seen those round finals. A guy could ride three bulls, four bulls, and sneak away with the finals title. Eight rounds. Your best bull riders are going to be the ones that win this thing. And the way the points race has been this year, I, uh, I definitely think it's be the best bull rider is going to win the finals and probably win the world championship too. Yeah, it's so tight. Eh? It's going to come down to the, the, whoever wins the fucking finals is probably going to be your, your world champion. So what's, uh, what's your pick? Was it a big surprise, Joao? You know, he's, he's came in first before in the past and then hasn't had the success, uh, you know, had some troubles at the finals and let that world championship slip through his grip. Do you think that this is his year? Do you think Dalen might step up or some of them other guys? What's What do you think? Uh, who looks the best? I know you're saying they're all look hot, but what's your pick? What's your world champion pick at the end of this sucker? Oh, 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 oh. just yeah. throw it out there. <laughs> We're two minutes in. Two what? minutes in and putting you on the spot. We re-edit this after the finals. Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, this um, goes out tomorrow. <laughs> all right. I'll say this. I said in Indianapolis, I think, that Pacheco was my pick to win the world championship. Um, now there's some concern with that broken foot of his. Can he get through the finals? I think he's going to finish the finals. But you mentioned Joao and Dalen. Those two have really stepped up because I wasn't sure how those guys were going to do here in Fort Worth. I mean, Pacheco and Lemmy are your two most well-rounded bull riders in this title race. I think they're still the favorites. But, man, Joao loves freaking Texas. This guy won, what, 400,000 at the American at AT&T. He's won Global Cups. He's won a bunch of Iron Cowboys. And it was only two years ago where we thought he was going to actually challenge Lemmy for the title in 2020. And the guy freaking test positive for COVID, can't compete at the finals, and we'll never know what could have happened. But I remember days before that finals, he looked great at the VT finals. He was confident. He really felt like he was going to win the world title that year. So to see Joao three for three to start the finals, that's huge for him. And then you got to give credit to Dale and Swearingen. Now, he got lucky, boys, getting big black when he didn't get to draft big black. That was a huge, huge lucky break for him. But he capitalized on it, and he bounced back from that round one buck off. And he's the young buck, 22 years old, first world title race. How is he handling the pressure? And he's he's really kind of stepped up. And I don't know if you boys heard the interview he did on CBS one night. 
he kind of threw some snark at the commentators saying, hey, I hear everyone saying I can't ride bulls away from my hand. You stick to your job. I'll stick yeah. to mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, he talked about he was on the podcast there last week and he talked about that, that he had to, for his own mindset. He had to stop listening to to the TV commentators and everything like that, which, you know, that's it's your head, right? You got to do what's right for your head to make sure that you're at the best. So he threw he threw some snark. That's good. He's got some fucking attitude, baby. Come on. Well, you know, and honestly, all three of those guys, and then you got Jose coming, you know, he's not going to fall off either. Not very many of them, if he does. He's coming in the back door, but you've got just quality humans that can win the world title. Like every one of them would represent the PBR uh, the way you would want the brand to be represented. Um, you know, and we, Dalen, like you're, you're, he's such a good kid, right? How do you, does yeah, Dalen yeah. have one enemy in this world? Do you think, you know, how do you not root for the kid? 22 years old and, and the story that was, uh, when did we, when did we read that about Dalen when we, when you guys did the feature on his mom? Like what a story, you know, oh, that would be after he was stepped on, right? That's the week after he was stepped on. Um, incredible story there. I know uh, it's, it's hard to pick a favorite here. It really is. It's so hard. And I've been saying all year long, boys, that uh, Lenny's been the shark. He's just swimming around the ocean, waiting to strike, waiting to strike. And it's wild to think he hasn't been on top of the standings all year long. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone think he's not going to leave Fort Worth with a third gold buckle? I mean, this guy's he's three for three. He's right where he needs to be. He's not putting up nine point rise left and right, but he's right there and. I think you're going to see him start to really put the foot to that gas pedal a lot, much more next weekend for sure. Is he healthy? So what do we got left for drafts? Well, let's go. What's left? Do they draw tomorrow or is it a draft tomorrow? We drew tomorrow. We have drafts left on a round five and round seven. So big. So, so they've yeah. went through what well, they've went through three rounds in the first weekend. Now we have a week off and now what they got five rounds now, five yep. more rounds. Five okay. more to go. Okay, so is is Leme healthy? Healthy enough. I think he is healthy. I think he's he's had this groin injury, core muscle injury. Last year was serious, but years before he's had some kind of lower body stuff before, so he knows how to kind of manage his body. And I think he learned his lesson last year when he got in the practice pen too soon and really made that injury worse. But here's the other thing, Tanner. I mean, this guy's groin was basically nearly torn off the bone last year. He still went six for six to the finals. He still was perfect on Rupa. Even yeah. if he's not perfect right now, the guy is still probably the best bull rider in the world. And uh, he's not going to let any injury get in the way. So I think he's healthy enough for sure. Fucking freak, that guy. That's yeah. you know, how, how, what You know, another thing we got to that's got to play into this is these guys that are from Texas are all gone home for four days. Yeah. You know, they get to get – it's not like Vegas where you're – you don't get any rest in bed. I don't care who you are. Well, maybe you can get rest. I, can't. <laughs> I rest quite but, um, I think that's going to play. Did, how about the bull riders that had to travel? Did they all stick around Texas, Justin, for the most part that you know? A lot of went to buddies' houses. A lot of traveling back and forth. Um, most of the guys either stayed or went to some buddies' places to kind of rest and relax. And you hit the nail on the head, man. I think this time off is great for all the guys to kind of refocus and – and stay healthy but now we'll see who can restart it because that's the other thing too now cody jesus has been phenomenal but he's a younger guy can he now pick up where he left off you know lemmy's going to joao's been up and down this year does he maybe start slow 
And you, you can't start slow right now. The, the title yeah. race is so close. All those guys at the top, they've all said, we probably have to ride seven, eight bulls to win the title. And that's super hard to do. JB did it the last time we had this format, but you're not going to see every guy go eight for eight or get six, seven rides. So I think one buck off the rest of the way could be the deal breaker for these guys who don't win that world title. Now, is there an average paid out Sunday average of points? Yeah, five, six. You're thinking, okay, can someone in the top 15 make a run at it? Sure. Of course they Mm -hmm. could. There's just so many points on the average. What about Cody Jesus? Is his uh, is he just riding off that momentum? What's his vibe like? He's kind of a up and down guy. Looks like he lost his confidence there for a while. You know, a couple of years back, goes into the Velocity Finals, kills it. Uh, can you see a change in him coming into this World Finals? It's showing, but what's he like behind the scenes? Man, Cody Jesus, guys, he has turned things around. Back after Albuquerque. He was thinking about shutting down the season, just staying healthy for the team's draft. And he's like, you know what? My draft stock isn't going to go up if I'm sitting at home. Right. He started about six miles a day, and then he would bike on his brand-new mountain bike in our three to four miles. He lost about 10 pounds and then packed on some muscle weight as well, and he looks like his body is maturing. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that – he talking about Lemmy and the groin injuries. That's been Jesus' whole early career has been injury after injury. But right now, he's got the perfect balance. He's down to about 140 pounds. He wants to get maybe a little bit lighter, but he's packed down that muscle in. He's just so calm and collected and focused. And there's all this chatter about the world title race that people are kind of leave, leaving Cody alone. Oh, yeah, Cody's three for three, but yeah, he's, you know, whatever, right? Um, his mentality is perfect. When he won the VT finals, it was very similar. He was going to the beach with his girlfriend, just chilling, just doing his thing. And he's not letting any of the bright lights get to him. This guy that's been in the finals a couple of times, he knows what to expect. And uh, you talk about that world finals event average. Yeah. If Jesus can win it, he could be the spoiler in the title race. If yeah, absolutely. If those guys finish second and third, that five six is going to be someone's problem if they don't win it. So Jesus is going to be a threat because the other thing too is he can win rounds. He's going to put up ninety plus point bull rides. So if you start seeing a guy steal those points, that could be a definite game changer in that title race. So a general consensus around the the whole uh, bull rider body, do they like? having these finals consistently five days in a row, or do you think they like that little break? It's been a mixed reaction because all these guys haven't been here before. It's been shoot. What? Almost uh, over 15 years since we've done this. Yeah. So guys didn't know what to expect. Um, some of the rodeo guys like Dale and Swearingen, you know, when they had the NFR appearances 10 straight, they kind of liked continuously getting on. But the narrative that we talked about earlier staying healthy. They like this break so they can get healthy and make that last push. But it will be interesting to talk to the guys after the finals to see what they think, because some of these guys are going to come back to the break and not be focused. They're going to be rusty. Others are going to be ready to go. Like, look at Joao. He got on practice bowls this week. He didn't yeah. stop he on every single day trying to get focused for that world championship. And he's 37 years old. Yeah. So it just depends on the rider. But I think the break is a good thing physically but mentally it's tricky yeah it depends on the guy like you say right it's gonna be some like it some don't like it they'll come back after the week of hanging with their buddies hopefully not too fucking hung down and fucking ready to win some money at the second round of the finals what's the what's the inside scoop with uh pacheco we've seen that he 
online at, you know we don't get to watch up here it was supposed to be on facebook live we didn't fucking get that so uh we've just been trying to follow along with twitter and what you do as we always do lots of our stats just come from your twitter there flesco so we appreciate that yeah, so we expect more <laughs> by the way we, we expect more, more. Uh, more so, yeah and we don't get cbs up here so yeah we can't fucking watch it but you know hopefully we're, we're gonna get around to that but anyways um what is the the deal with Pacheco? We hear he has a he has a broken leg. Is that is it? He obviously didn't hinder him. He rode that last round. But what do you think uh, is going on with him there? Yeah, broken foot for Pacheco. We did get X rays this week. The bone is not completely um, broken half yet, so he doesn't need surgery as of now. There's a chance that he may need surgery if that injury gets worse during the final five rounds of competition. But I mean, they call him the Ice Man. This guy doesn't show emotion half the time. I don't think he feels pain. He's kind of like a RoboCop half the time out there. But uh, he look, he won the world title after shredding those ligaments in his knee. I don't think the foot's going to be a problem for him, but it could be just because of how tight the race is. When he won this first world title, he had a big enough lead on Lemmy. It was going to be tough for any of those guys to, to catch him. Right now, he's in the chasing mode, so he can't afford to buck off. But I know he's in a walking boot. He's getting some therapy done this week. Um, Candy Freeman, the sports med team, they're awesome down here. They're going to have him ready to go. And, you know, look, he's got some time to rest before the team stuff kicks off. And this, this guy's a gamer. And last year, boys, in that locker room, everyone threw in the towel for the world title. Guys were laughing at me. I'd be like, hey, you know, you still got a chance to catch Lemmy. And they're like, no, no, I'm out of it. I'm out of it. Pacheco was the only guy that thought he could catch Lemmy last year. He went to the finals thinking he could win the world title. And that kind of mentality, I love it. He – He's really a battler. He never gives up. We talk a lot about him kind of being this shy introvert, but man, he's, he's a competitor. So he's all business. That guy. I've, I've learned that here in the last three weeks, that guy is on top of, of what's going on. So that, that just, you know, and I think we talk about any of these guys that are qualified for the PBR world finals, but especially this top five, they're mentally in a different place than your average bull rider going down the road today they are just totally in a different element they are dialed in um and that's why they're where they're at right now i believe you know it was funny i was reading something on uh on cody Wright actually the other day uh stetson quoted it my dad says it's 90 percent mental and the other and the other 10 percent is just in your head <laughs> what a line you know perfect <laughs> that's fair yeah these guys are on fire it's cool to see and and uh, like you say they, these bulls are getting so much rancor um but they're still stepping up and they're still like you say guys going three for three guys gonna ride eight for eight probably seven for eight that's that's a huge huge feat these bulls are as good as you get better than they've ever been. And these guys are now stepping up to the plate and riding them, which I think is going to be cool for this, for this team series aspect, but we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do get into the team stuff, bull bull race, uh, mm -hmm. um, we see whoopa what happened there. We didn't get to watch it, but he had a lower score. Um, riding solo now takes the lead riding solo going to win this thing. Is there uh is there someone on the back burner, some bull that maybe we don't see that can step up and get a big score and win this thing. What's going on with the, the world champion bull race? It still feels like riding solo and whoop are your main two. I think Pookie Holler's too far back because of the fact that this year they're bucking those bulls a third time. And instead of keeping all three scores, you can drop a low score. So they're bucking them three times, bucking three times. Oh, fuck. Thursday night. And then they're going to buck again on Sunday. So whoop is going to be able to toss out his uh, 43 and change whatever it was. 
if he has two big scores now. The only thing is he's got Ejne Kaminas on Thursday night. So we'll see if Wupa can get a big score. And I'm not sure if Kaminas can warm him up enough to showcase him. Um, that's going to be a tough one. Um, but riding solo, he uh, – look, he got lucky. He only got a 45-point score, and no one thought Wupa was going to not buck the way he did. So this race is still probably those two. Um, but I really thought, man, when, when Dalton Castle had him, we thought we were looking at maybe seeing the best score of all time, and it just it didn't happen. So that was a definite miss for Wupa. But we saw this last year. You know, he started slow at the finals in Vegas, and then he roared back to life with Lemmy on Champ Sunday. So I wouldn't count Champ out yet because he's definitely one of the most special bulls we got going. What happened to him? What was the what, – did he just have a bad trip? Did he go right, or what went on there? I didn't see it. He just – kind of ran ran off a little bit just yeah. didn't turn and just I don't it was a weird deal but Laramie Wilson said the bull is good to go and not sure exactly what happened there but it was it was a fluke deal I think I mean you you don't see that a lot from that bull so that was definitely the biggest surprise in the world champion bull race and, and give credit to Josh Frost because Josh Frost rode riding solo and solo's probably marked a little bit higher than he was 45 points he probably was a little bit less than that but Seeing as Frost showcased, I think the judges wanted to give Frost a good score there, so it benefited Solo that Frost rode for the full eight. Man, look at the look at the fucking shit we're getting from this guy, and they stopped fucking putting him on the road. Can you imagine that? This guy just having to sit at home, not be on the road. I don't get it. Oh, we should just have Felisco as one of our you know one of our moderators on every pod. Fucking right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got her lined out. Uh, what about the Bulls? What are they doing with them during the week? Have they have they sent them some of them that are close? Do they go home? Those guys that are far away, do they they got them hauled somewhere? Or what's going on with these Bulls during the week on this yeah. break? Yeah, we got bull housing this way, but most of the guys have been just going back home, and that's been a I think a huge benefit to the Bulls. I mean, oh, yeah. we got over from Oklahoma, Texas, so they're going home, and Wupa's at home, Ryan Solo's at home, so they're gonna be well rested and ready to go, and that's. That's a big thing because in Vegas every year, we're wondering, you know, how they adjust to the altitude, to the dry the water. There's always talk about the water in Vegas. Guys bringing electrolytes down for the bulls. Right. And so yeah, I yeah. think being here is a great thing for them, but it, it's been hot down here, boys. It's been like a hundred degrees humid. It's been way hotter than normal for this time of year in Texas. So the weather is supposed to cool off some. I think that's going to help the bulls as well. But uh, yeah, that home, it's a home field advantage for them for sure. Those so, poor fucking so, Canadian bulls, fuck. It's <laughs> been in the winter, minus 40 up here. Haven't been yeah. bucked and go down for their first trip of the year. Happy camper. Yeah, he's just, just hanging out north. All of a sudden, you know, Cody Lambert calls, hey, you want to come to World Finals? <laughs> so B comes on down there, Pacheco and him team up for a good old bull ride. I was like, damn, what a life for that bull. Just gets to chill all year and go to the World Finals. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we roll. That's how we build them up here. <laughs> Resilient. Sorry, Scott, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, what's uh, what's the crowds been like and what with the change going to Texas and, and leaving Vegas? Has there been the hype or that there usually is? Or what are you thinking on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You guys can see on the videos, there's been definitely some gaps in the crowd. Um, the seats were sold. Um, so I think a lot of this people are probably saving those, those tickets right yeah. for that. And we saw this in Vegas in the past, too, over those two weekends, that a lot yeah. of people want to that championship Sunday and see the, uh, the champion crown, right? You want to you wanna be there for the biggest moment. And um, so there's been, I think, smaller crowds early on, but each night you're seeing more and more people show up. Um, the city's buzzing, though. That's one thing. You walk all around Fort Worth, there's signage everywhere. People are talking about it. So 
for the first time in Fort Worth, I think it's a really good energy, good vibe. And I think the riders are getting used to it. It's new for everyone. We're all learning as we go. Um, but I think there's definitely potential. And once Dickies gets full, it's going to be loud. It's a smaller venue than T-Mobile. So that, that roof's a little bit lower. The Jumbotron's freaking huge. So I think it's going to be um, definitely loud on Sunday. And we'll see how these guys react. Because I think as the riders keep getting closer to that world title, you're going to see the pressure start to mount. And with that, the fans are going to get more into it. So I think it's going to be really loud. And that, to me, is the most exciting thing. We get a loud venue. That's a whole different game for these bull riders. This isn't golf, boys. You can cheer. You can make noise. So <laughs> let's see who can handle the pressure on Sunday. Yeah, bangers. Insider scoop as well. We've seen a Facebook post of an injury to Frank Newsom. That wasn't in the arena at the during the finals. What uh, What went on there, Justin? You know, I don't know exactly what happened there with Frank. Um, I believe he was at a, one of the UBF events. And from what I heard, someone, I guess, there's a guy was down in the arena. And then Frank being Frank, right, he's got to jump over the fence and get in there and protect the guy. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like uh, Frank broke some ribs, um, had to spend the night in the hospital. I believe he was released and he's recovering at home. But it's a tough break to see to see Frank uh, not be able to finish out his uh, last world finals and to go down like that. But, again, that's – Frank's always going to be the guy that jumps in to protect a friend, anyone. That's why he's been the fearless one all these years. But uh, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But that that's the story I heard. Okay. So yeah. last World Finals, is Frank is Frank hanging it up after this year? Yep, this is the last yes. one. Yeah, that is shitty. Is he going to do the team stuff or, or is he he's done after this is it? I'm done, done after this. Frank's 40, 48. Oof. Is that how old Frank is? Great question. I don't know off top. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think he's right there close to me. Um, uh, so he'd be 48 or 49. So I know that's not a place I want to be at 48 or 49. <laughs> hey, I'm only 32. I don't want to be out there in that situation. Well, so. <laughs> yeah. so, Falesco, I love this. This is cool. We get a bunch of this insider uh, information that um, a lot of us up here, we don't get to, to get to see. So this is pretty amazing people are going to love this but now transferring into the the team series i guess we'll start with the the locker room vibes what's the what's the guys uh feelings with this team stuff with the draft with the guarantee contracts i know a lot of times guys don't like change uh and there was a lot of chatter about what was going to happen how it's going to go it seems like now that the that the, the boys are into it it's going to be really cool but um you being in that locker room with these guys what's the vibe with this whole team series that's coming up yeah, there's a lot of uh, excitement. There's a lot of question marks. Guys want to see kind of how this thing plays out. But I think overall the guys are – they're excited to have that team mentality to be, you know, with your buddies in the back of the shoots. Like the idea of a team concept's not – it's not foreign to these guys. They travel together. They room together. They help each other out. It's just you never really combine your scores outside of a global cup or we did a team thing a couple – way back in the late 2000s, I think for our year or two. That was on ESPN. Um, we had the World Cup. So the team idea has been there. I mean, shoot, Rodeo had the, that Winston that Winston series before yep. where Coach Ember was actually a first-round draft pick. He, he told me that one. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting for the riders to see, to see how they take coaching. That's, to me, the most interesting part of this whole deal is, is will these guys buy into the programs that each of these coaches and teams want to do? The guys aren't necessarily moving to these markets. They're not going to have to, you know, uproot their families. So the teams that could find a way to build culture 
without having these guys at their facilities every day. That's, that's crucial. And I don't know how you do that. That's going to be like, mm-hmm. we can talk like this right on zoom, all of us here, but, and if you're going to do that every day, maybe you can build that chemistry, but for a short season like this, it's going to take some time. I think for these coaches to, to get the right messaging to the guys, but I, I think the guys are, they're pumped though, man. It's going to be different. It's exciting for these guys. And there's more money at stake. That's the thing now. I mean, there's more money, more chances to bring home a better opportunity for your family. And that's all these guys want. At the end of the day, they want more money and a chance to ride bulls. And that's going to provide it for them. Well, and, and, and saying that too, Justin, we've talked, uh, we talked with Dale in a bit and Tanner and I've been talking a lot about it. Like you're, you're going to see higher bull riding percentages with this. You're also going to see the longevity of these guys' careers, I think, extended with the teams because you might only get on, you know, one bull a day during these events instead of one and then one in a short round. I, I know we do have a bonus round, but I, I think the coaches, you know, are going to want to manage that a little differently for the athlete. So, um, I'm excited about, it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm ready yeah. for Monday night, really ready for Monday night. It's, uh, you can see, I've probably been liking some of your tweets on certain guys. Um, when I first was approached on this, you know, it was just, I was going to look after a couple guys and as I'm trying to get a handle on what the market will be and, and whatnot, I'm just like, well, I need to have the whole entire first round. That's what I want. (laughs) Well, you do. Like if you're going to, there's no calorie salary cap, there's no floor, there's no ceiling. It's wide wide open, wide open. So it's going to be real interesting. And and, uh, I'm, it's real fortunate that all of us here can be, uh, you know, witness this from the, from the, from the ground floor here. Like this, we could be making history. This, this could evolve into something, which I think, you know, with, with Sean keeping the, the team's finals in Las Vegas. If you, if you recall, I imagine you had a ton of texts when the, when the finals was moved out of Las Vegas, what's going on? Well, you know, if anybody knows Sean Gleason, you knew there was something there. He had something up his sleeve. So I think that's just proof right there where PBR wants to see this uh, new venture go. And with the ownership groups, um, you know, I've been talking with some, they're all in, this is, this is real live team sports here now. And when you've come from that space, you, you, you get it and you respect that they're, they're doing their homework. They've got scouter, you know, people on the payroll scouting, like they're, they're already spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to, and we haven't even drafted anybody yet. So uh, it's going to be exciting stuff. You're going to, you make sure you're not ignoring any texts from either of us here too on Monday night there. Yeah. yeah. You so here's, the guys are getting trades going down. I want I want to know. Insider, there we go. There we go. Yeah. He's our so, Elliot Friedman. I don't him. know if you know who Elliot Friedman. Hey, just Oh, he's way rest. better than Elliot Friedman. Fuck. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's he's a, Friedman's a solid solid guy. He's solid. He really is. Uh everybody on here needs to understand. Polisco and I hit it off right off the hop. He's a hockey guy. No, oh, I right? know. Fucking Islanders fan. Oh my God. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> Where, where's your coach going to end up? Where's Trotz going to end up there, Felisco? I, I guess Winnipeg. That's the rumor now. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, you're on it. Yeah, you're on it. That. Who did they, they pick somebody up? Did they not? They already hired a new coach? A promoted Lane Lambert. Lane uh, Lambert. Saskatoon guy. Just yep. honestly down the road. Actually, here's a little bit of trivia. He was raised right across the street from Chandler Stevenson. And was Chandler's assistant coach in Washington. 
So don't count trots out for Las Vegas either. Mm, Vegas yeah. Golden Knights. There's that connection. And, and I can tell you firsthand that Chandler was asked, Kelly McCrimmon did ask Chandler some questions on his exit meeting about Barry Trotz. So, and if hey, I'm Barry Trotz, where do I want to go? Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Go to Winnipeg. 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 Oh. So I don't know. We'll see. But it's, it's sad as an Islanders fan because Barry was great the past two years. I uh, went to a lot of playoff games last year, consumed a lot of beer during that three-month window, and it was awesome. So I was pretty pissed when they uh, when they fired Barry, but Lambert's pretty good, so we'll see how he does. But uh, yeah. Islander fan base is not happy about the uh, the firing of Barry. Lou Lamoureux hey, always to, have back, something uh, up his sleeve. Back to teams. Let's put okay. you on the spot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I think we have an idea of one, two, and three here right now. But – if Dalen Swearingen wins a gold buckle, where does that one, two, and three pick? Where does that get shuffled? What's a your three? pick? What's your what's your go yeah, one? Let's, to, hear yeah. let's hear yours. Let's hear your first you round. Know, I I mean that's to me that's a golden question because at three it sounds like Texas and Lambert are really kind of honing in on on Joao as the third pick, and I know. Ross Coleman and Missouri really want to get Dale and that kind of seems like the fit. It seems like Dalton Castle and at four with Kansas City and JW. They're all those coaches are talking. That's the one difference with this. Oh, you do keep going. Where are you at at six? Come on, keep going. Right. My, my uh, guess is here at six with Teton um, or T, I guess Arizona. I keep getting yelled at when I say it's Teton. Uh, what, the Ridge Riders, I think they're going to go with Luciano. I was torn yes. between. Him and Denner. I think Denner is really freaking solid. But Luciano, if he has a strong finals, I think that pushes him over the edge. And him and Paulo Cumber have a really good relationship. Then he gets a seven and eight. And I, it sounds like Kyler Oliver is in play, despite the broken neck. He may he may be there. Um, we'll see what Cooper Davis does because, you know, the whole supplemental thing. We know Cooper's going to Carolina, so he's going to be in the ear of Jerome Davis and Austin Dillon. Do they overtake Mason Taylor? We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I honestly think the one guy that I'm curious about is Colton Fritzland. He's the mm -hmm. one I think that could change up this whole draft board. And I don't know where he's going to go, but I know a lot of those coaches want him. And he's not going to fall in this draft, I think, until later half of the second round. So who's going to be the team that either – look, Brandon Bates, he said before, he traded the number eight pick. Does Oklahoma offer that pickup to someone that wants Colton Fritzland? That to me is – that's the one area where it sounds like someone wants to trade and get him. You may have to because someone's going to take him. And, and what, do you, what do you think that trade consists of? Cash? Would it be cash? Is there going to – because there's no CBA here. No. that this is falling. So I know there's some league rules. Now, can there be cash exchange? Now, yeah. which, which Oklahoma needs that to pay some endorsement money because right. they, they don't have the budget that uh, Austin Gamblers or Nashville, basically any of the top six teams, right? They're, they're, you know, they're managed by a group for the PBR team seven and eight Carolina and, and Oklahoma. So what are you thinking, in your opinion, Justin? Inside scoop here. I, I mean, cash is, is got to be on the table, but I have to wonder if that game plan changes now because if the plan for Oklahoma is they're going to get Jess Lockwood back to his world champion contending self. And in the supplemental, though. 
That yes. would be in two that's weeks from now. Because now if you get, if they take Jess at number one, the supplemental draft, which that's the plan for the, the freedom, they're going to get Jess Lockwood. If he is riding like the Jess Lockwood, that one, two world titles, and you pair him with uh, Kyler Oliver and a Colton Fritz and say those two guys are there at, at uh, eight and nine. Wow. You maybe yeah. you don't maybe you you're don't competing to win right there, and you're gonna win money, you're gonna win cash, and so that's why it's tough to see. If I was Brandon, if I'm wearing my GM hat, none of the teams want to hire me either. You know, guys, I thought I'd be a great GM candidate, but instead I got to sit here now criticize all the GMs and the coaches. I guess but, but, we'll give you props as agents here. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna look after you with high fives and retweets. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, but uh. I, I would trade. I would trade back if I was in the seven or eight hole. I would try to get more second round picks and more third round picks because you take out the top three or four guys in the sport. It's kind of a wash when you get to that fifteen to forty. And five on five bull riding, just stack up rides. If you can trade from eight and get a second round pick and a third round pick in cash, maybe yeah. it's worth it. We don't know because we've never seen this before. We don't know what these guys are thinking, what these coaches want to do. We may not have any trades. We just we just don't know. It's all going to be dependent upon who's falling in the draft and who the coaches want. They, they want guys they know. So it's not going to be on the world standings. It's not going to be probably on what you do at the world finals. It's going to be chemistry is big. So I'm excited yeah. to see. I really have no idea how this draft's going to play out. Like we can all sit here and guess the first round, the second round, but then crap shoot. And that's what makes it exciting for me. Well, yeah. Donnie, you know what? I'm uh, sorry, Tanner. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to say that there's like guys that aren't, like you say, aren't in that top 10 that are definitely first or second round draft picks. If they, uh, if they're healthy and they were, you know, on the scene this year and we're seeing on TV a lot. There's going to be guys that go way down the list that are going to be some of your, your biggest assets that are your superstars just because you haven't got to see them a lot this year. Right. So um, it's going to be crazy to see where some of these guys go. And then, like you say, what they're going to bring to that team with that coach, what they're going to ride for, you know, a guy like Chase Doherty, that guy's a huge asset. You've seen him on the, on the global cup team. You know, look what he did. Colton Fritzland, he's been out all year. That's a first-round draft pick if he's healthy and had a, had a year and everybody got to see him For all sure. year. He just about made the World Finals in the last – in one event. Yeah. Know, he went three for three in – where not to come. Where was he? Napa? Napa, maybe? Did he go three for three? Uh, yeah, I think, you, I think yeah, he went three for three in Napa. Then he went, what, two for three in Billings. And he, he, he was out 11 months. That's the thing. Like, the sample size for him is still small. Yep. But I sat down with him after uh, Billings. We just talked for about maybe an hour. And I left that kind of interaction saying, damn, this is a yes. guy that can build a team around. And I had a similar reaction with Dalton Castle. When Dalton Castle was originally left off the Global Cup team, he was ticked off. And him and I talked for about an hour or two. And, and I left that conversation saying, man, Dalton Castle is a guy you can build a team around. He's yeah. fiery. He wanted to be on that American squad. And he's like, I'm not trying to badmouth anyone else. But he's like, I know I deserve to be on that team, and I can be an asset. And, of course, he got put on the team. He rides Moonlight Party. He's going to be a stud in this format. I really think he's a guy that's underrated in the locker room. The guys appreciate him. They respect his opinion. He's smart when it comes to the Bulls. He's going to be a hidden gem in this draft. Oh, yeah, you know, you uh, you touched on most complete riders at the start of this podcast, Felisco, when we were talking about these top three or four guys. And, you know, what will be interesting is what they come – 
to the agent with on long-term deals here right off the hop, because what the, the league has done in allowing these guys to be free agents after one year, like you got a guy like Kaiki, he doesn't need the money right now for, for 10 events. He could go win it and be a free agent and, and be on Joao's like he or Jose's team or Joao's team next year. How would that be for a one, two punch? Right. And that's going to be the thing to watch, right? Is do these guys try to go down the path of the NBA when you see these super teams formed? I think the question, and this would be where you're going to earn your big bucks, Jason, is if I'm a bull rider in a sport where injuries happen so much, is it better to lock myself into a team? If I get a solid deal up front, a multi-year deal and get that guaranteed, so that God forbid I am hurt, I still get a solid income. That's going to be the question I think for some of these guys and teams is, do you want to lock yourself into one team for the security of it? Or do you want to roll the dice on bet and bet on yourself? And the cowboy yeah. has always been bet on yourself. So that to me is the interesting is who will sign multi-year deals and how these teams go about building their rosters. Do you want to get the same group of guys together for a couple of years? To me, I think you want, Two guys, your top two guys, you probably want to lock in, and the other three yeah. to six, you can probably kind of navigate the waters a little bit because the depth is just so so different once you take out those top two guys. You're right. So those top, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure how this is going to go. You never know how it's going to go until you have that first original phone call. But your top two guys are your foundation. Your first round is your franchise guy. That's what you're building a team around. Call him your captain. Call him whatever you want. But you can't. You know, if you're selecting uh, a Joao or a Kaiki or a Dalen, you plan on building and using that as a recruiting tool in 23 and in 24, because there's going to be a ton of free agents when this is done. You know, with all the guys that declared, those guys are all free agents. Uh, And you know what? My Canadian guys listening to this, you guys should have declared. You should have declared. You know what? Chances of you getting picked. You know, I think we probably had maybe four guys, five guys that may get drafted. And I might be stretching at five. You're automatically an unrestricted free agent. Now, they can't even be a, raw, a practice squad guy in the fall if if injuries do plague a team. You know, and right. then you have, some, you have some leverage as an unrestricted free agent. Okay, you need my guy because you're you're banged up. Your, your team is banged up. Okay, well, for my guy to leave Alberta, he's going to need X amount of dollars or he's not interested. We have that leverage. You have, I have that leverage. leverage. We had all the leverage. So I, uh, there is though, there is guys, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a few that yeah, we got a handful of guys, yeah, yeah. but the guys that I thought, you know, would have got drafted that didn't declare. Um, but maybe that's not their jam. Um, I think Dakota uh, an asset and that we're going to call that the, the Dakota butter tax. And we put that in the clause of the contract. Cause he's a guy that has a talent to be here, but, He's made it very clear that the financials of coming down from Canada, competing on the UTB, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to him. So I thought he'd be a great asset. And that actually reminds me, going back to the question of what do you trade? If I was any of those teams, I'm trying to get another draft pick for next year. Now, there's a lot of gray area. We don't know what the draft rules are going to be next year. We don't know how many rounds. If I'm going to trade a pick this year, I want to get another first-round pick next year. Right. Or I able to as I will get – Texas's first pick and whatever the draft looks like, because here's the deal. Sage Kimsey, Josh Frost, you're a GM, right? You want to get assets for next year because some of these guys are going to say, damn, I want to be a part of teams. And now you got to load up because we all know at some point 
There's going to be the, I'm going to tank for Paulo Crimber's son, John. Who's going to be team that tanks? Someone's going to do it, damn it. Yeah. yeah. Get that first round pick. Yeah. Or you make that trade, or you, like you say, Justin, you make that trade and you got the first, you've got, you know, X team's first round yeah. pick next year. So. All in all, though, I think it's going to be huge for the sport. Just, just this much anticipation, all the different aspects that are going to come into play for fans, for the riders, for everybody. It's so much, it's so much easier to follow for fans. They can interact and and get behind a team, just like any other sport. I think it's gonna, it's gonna grow the the sport of bull riding and the PBR to new levels. That's huge, and that's I think we haven't talked about is the fan aspect of this. For so many years, I mean, I'm getting paid, right, to tell you guys about the points at the World Finals and the title race. If you finish high in the round and this and this and this, all that's gone now. It's back to what bull running was always about. Ride your bull, get a score. The team that rides the most bulls with the highest score, they're your winner. It's super easy to follow. And I think the fandom part of it, Tanner, that's the key for this whole thing. I hope at some point when – we're in Nashville. You got Bridgestone Arena. We're hockey guys. I want those Predator fans going ape shit for McBride and his team. You know, yeah. we're, when we're in Glendale, hopefully we get more fans than the Coyotes did, or else we have to put the Ridge Riders at the college stadium or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I want to see fandom in this sport. And for, for years, we've had fans get behind J.B. Mooney, Sylvain, individual fans we haven't had that passion but if you go back to the year that jb won his first world title we had half the arena cheering for jb half the arena cheering for silvano yeah that kind of energy if we can get that for teams that is gonna be bad freaking ass well and i think you bring you bring three countries possibly four together canada mexico australia five countries and now you're cheering for you for a team because you have an uh, you know you have a nationality from each country possibly on a team you know it's not this brazil versus america anymore for the most part it's um yeah how you build it and huge who's the next franchise there's a there's one for you (laughs) i keep it's funny i keep saying that because i didn't get i didn't get pushed to a team that i'm gonna gonna start the expansion team um i would go to the pit in Albuquerque, so I want the fandom or Sioux Falls. That to me would be the two. Selfishly, if I was running a team, I like Denver because I live in Colorado, so that'd be easy for me then. But um, I thought, how, how about Nampa? How about Nampa? There's money around there. Coeur d'Alene, like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I actually, I haven't even told Tanner or Scott this. I had an assistant GM from a National Hockey League team last night reach out to me. It was random, quarter to ten, and and we we text back and forth for forty five minutes. And uh, he's like, I'm, this is intriguing for me, you know? (laughs) And in fact, I reached out to Blankenship just to give him a heads up. And, but I think um, there's some, probably a little bit, there's no buyer's remorse at this point, but there's some teams or some owners possible or potential owners, I think wish they would have got in because the PBR did a brilliant thing by keeping those two teams. They're just going to drive the value of those franchises up after year one, you know? So, but we can't be, we got to be careful in expansion. Um, and I know this, this was something the NHL was concerned about is watering down the talent. Right. And it hasn't been that way. Uh, look at Vegas. They just freaking hit the ice, not running, skating, no pun intended. Um, 
but I don't know. I don't know if we have the bow riders to, to go more than one or two teams. Right. And then you got to change your formats, obviously, because you still got to respect the, what a performance time would be. Um, lots of stuff, man, whoever Sean and Chad got working for him on all this, uh, there's, there's a, a quadrillion man hours been, been put into this. You can tell. The only yeah. way, yeah. The only way that you're going to be able to expand further is bringing in big time money for these bull riders, which intrigues young guys to now become bull yeah. riders because you can actually make money like you can in other sports as a bull rider. And you're going to need that because we've seen it at the South point. You run out of guys, you know, you, you water it down. You say, fuck, you don't even have enough. You know what I mean? In, in the, in the sport, there's, there's not a lot of a uh, lot of guys that are riding bulls, especially at that level with that rank of bulls. So you're gonna, it's gonna grow, right? But I think for right now, you can't. You got to put the the horse in front of the cart to start. Right. So, so in the future, a couple of years down the road, see, I get picked on a team that I absolutely do don't get along. The chemistry's not there. I don't want to be there. Is it going to be where you can demand to be traded? Can that stuff start happening? Too as well. Yes, but there's one poison pill in this right now. The guys that declare for the draft, they have to ride for at least one year, no matter what, for whoever drafts them. They can't hold out. They can't, I mean, they could, but then if you do that, you risk being suspended for the rest of this year and the and following next year. Yeah. And that's the that's the one poison pill here. And that's to protect the owners and the teams and, and whatnot, because again, no salary cap, no salary floor. It's the wild, wild West out there, but eventually, yeah, we can get to next year and, you know, say we'll use uh, Joe say, cause he's going to Austin. Say he only does a one year deal. And he's like, I do not want to ride in Austin. He can just go wherever he wants and say he signs with Nashville. And after, you know, two weeks or whatever, he's, he's not happy. He, he could demand a trade. Now, of course, we depend on what his agreement is and what how he signs with the team because these guys still are independent contractors. So there's got to be it's got to be a little bit different, and yeah, with no CBA as well. So I do think you're going to see guys I think hold out at times, and it'll be interesting to see what what happens when a coach and a rider disagree. Will yeah, will coach ship them out? Like it's got to happen. We, we all know who we're dealing with. Bull riders are hot headed. Oh, yeah. They're former bull riders. They're going to be hot-headed. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be really interesting to see kind of what happens when they start button heads. Do you ship a guy out? Do you cut a guy? Are you ruthless? We don't know yet. So that would lead me to my next question. Obviously, we're in the big time, um, like coaches potentially getting fired and, yeah, you know, managers and stuff. I guess that's on the, all on the table as well, correct? Of course. And, again, we'll, we don't know what the deals are for all these coaches and – and whatnot and we're not sure what the coaching pool looks like i mean tanner be a great coach i know global cup didn't go the way he wanted but you know we can get these other coaches involved um but what's that leash gonna look like are are the owners looking for championships right away are you trying to build a three to five year plan are you looking to win right now to me it's all exciting and i can't wait for the minute where these coaches start barking at each other because right now they're all buddy buddy they're all saying hey who you picking who am i picking you know we all want this to succeed together. You know, if your team's good and my team's good, then the league is good. Once we start bucking bulls and they're yeah. playing games, there's got to be trash talk then. And I get oh, wrong. And the owners, the owners aren't investing in this to finish last. Be right. friends. 
That'd be some good fuck you matches. Yeah, you brought up up Bates. Like, I, I, and every team wants to win, but Bates has full intentions of winning this thing. Full intentions. Well, I mean, look, no one wants to lose to the announcer. Right? <laughs> That's yeah. Not- no. 100%. Yeah. We all yeah. called him out for all those years of fucking, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> you know, when he was talking shit all the time, right? It'd always be like, oh, fuck that guy. You know, even uh, uh, Clint Atkins, he had to get on a bull one day, right? Because he uh, he had to follow up on what he was saying. But then now Bates has his time to prove it. He has, here he goes. It's his chance to put a team together and win. He's going to stir the pot and he's going to cause all kinds of shit. And that's what Bates does. He He's competitive. You're right. He wants to win this thing and he's got to be the one that causes drama. And he's gotten me in trouble before on PBR live talking smack. And it's just, it's just, Bates. but I'll tell you what, though, I give him a lot of credit because he is taking this serious and he's doing his homework. He's got Cody Lostro there. He's got poor McCoy. He's got that kind of good cop, bad cop coaching staff. He went out, he recruited, he got Jess to commit to the supplemental draft. Some guys don't like that, but that's just what Jess wanted to do. I've heard some of those same rumblings, Justin, and I I, I don't see one – it don't matter if it's Arizona or Texas or Austin. That's just good management of your picks and relationships. with. you think that – NHL teams or MLB teams don't have relationships with players and are making deals prior to free agency on July 1. It happens all the time. All the time. Tampering's not a lot. No. <laughs> never. No, that's the tamping. Tamping fence posts. That's what we always call it. We're tamping fence posts. It's not tampering. Yeah, no, I hear you. Okay, I like it. I like it, Falesco. That's, that's been, uh, it's been good. It's been informative. And you know, you get a lot of questions and a guy that is in that locker room and, and, and uh, gets to gets to chat with these guys and you get to see the owners and uh, you kind of have all aspects quietly. You can see all that stuff going on. So has it been pretty cool though, to see these, these uh, elite guys, the owners of, of Lambert and McBride and Ross Coleman and Michael Gaffney being back. Is it cool having them back involved and them being super excited? I think that's also going to be great for the sport and great for TV and the fans to get to see these guys back in the game. Um, how have they been? Are they, is everybody, you say they're all buddy-buddy, but uh, have they been, is it pretty cool having those guys back around? 100%. And it's been fun seeing them take this serious. I mean, we, we joke about and being serious about Bates taking this, you know, to heart. These coaches want to win. And it's been interesting for me, like J.W. Hart, he has been trying to do mock drafts. He's do, taken analytics into this. And he's a guy that's like, you know, I don't, I don't know numbers per se, but I want to learn. I want to know who is the best guy statistically, what guy does this to the left, what guy does this to the right. He truly has taken this so serious to the point now where I think his team is going to be, they're going to be contenders in this thing. And I think to have guys like Michael Gaffney back involved, Jerome Davis, it's great for the sport. And I hope as we talk about this, this league growing, I'm not sure if we'll see expansion anytime soon. I hope that we're cautious to your point with the rider pool, but I hope we see the coaching pool. I want to see more coaches get involved. You know, I want to see Tanner Byrne getting hired to scout Canadians up there. I want to see Troy Dunn being called up to scout guys and get paid to be a scout in Australia. And I think the minute we see more coaches get involved, that's more one-on-one coaching for the guys because we need to start developing younger riders too. When we start seeing like the Nashville junior bull riders, right. And McBride's putting on clinics and we're seeing these youth camps. And to me, that could be the real 
the real beauty of this thing beyond the money for the riders, beyond the revenue for the league. If we can see a commitment from these teams, these coaches to help high school bull riders, collegiate bull riders, mm-hmm. youth bull riders then that's going to elevate the game and then you can grow the league. So I think it's going to be really great to have those guys involved for sure. Well, I see, I'm, my wheels are spinning on the farm team stuff, Justin. Like at what point are we, maybe Canada, Australia, Brazil, our farm teams for the owners here in, you know, or wherever the, you know, the eight teams we have right now. Now that could grow. Who knows? Maybe we have a team out of Canada that has all American riders on it and only one Canadian. Who knows? Yep. But my, I'm, I'm trying to, I want to be ahead of that. I want to, you know, I'm already thinking, where do we fit in here in three more years as touring pro events in Canada or PBR Cup Series events? Um, because I think this is going to snowball. I really do. I think um, it's just going to just, it's going to pick up so much steam that it's just going to barrel through the industry and, and, and dissolve. There might not be world championships anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's you, you, you got the Jerome, the Jerome Robinson cup is what the team holds up at the end of the year. You know, there's no reason that cup can't stay the same with those individual names. And from now on, there'll be seven or 10 names on that sucker at the end of the year. Right. All about the dollar. Oh, no. Yeah. percent. Because if, if this goes the way the bull riders want, every bull rider wants to make a ton of money. If we get to a point where, and look, we've got many ways to go before we're seeing, you know, the NFL contracts, the MLB, look, we, we understand what we're working with. Right. But if we get to a point where these guys are making million plus 2 million per year, three, 4 million, whatever it's going to be at some point, eventually these team owners are going to say, I'm not sure if I want you to pursue a world championship. I can't risk my asset getting yeah, right. hurt months. hundred percent. And that's going to be tough for all of us to get used to the fact that we may see guys that have to turn out of the UTB, which we'll see. But I think though, if at the end of the day, if all the bull riders making that much money where we have to shorten the other season to expand the team season, that's a good thing for the industry, for the sport, because we all know that these guys deserve to make more money, more revenue. And look, fans are going to say, Whoa, Whoa, the, the UTB may go away. I don't think it's going to go away. You're going to still have the same amount of bull ridings, just like when we took the finals and moved to Fort Worth. To your point, Jason, everyone's like, oh, my God, what are they going to do for six months of the year? There was still bull ridings. And I think the team competition is going to be a really good thing. And you're right. We'll see how this expands. I think you're going to see international stuff. I would love to see an international showcase at some point, too, where, you know, maybe there's an international draft in years to come, where it's the Australian draft and the Brazilian draft, and maybe that's how you do it. So there's so much possibilities with it that it really is going to be kind of the wild, wild west these first couple of years as we all figured out as we go. But the owners, the coaches, the PBR, everyone is buying in for the betterment of the bull riders in the league, and that's huge. So, Falesco, team stuff aside, world finals aside, we really dove into that, but I think uh, we can all agree that you're going to be uh, – full-time guest on this show <laughs> as, yeah. as, we, as we move along. If you're good with it, we'd love to, to keep getting you back. Hell yeah, man. It's always fun talking bull riding with people that know bull riding. So let's do it. Cool. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll make sure to keep that in our coffer because we got to get to your personal life, where you came from, how you became in this fucking sport of bull riding, all the aspects of it, man. Your story is, it's pretty cool. And, and honestly, 
I always joke about it on here about how big of an asset you are and and um you know when the PBR doesn't send you on the road how much different it is for all of us as fans and what you bring to the table. Uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope they do understand totally what they have um with you. So I appreciate you. I know we all appreciate you um on this podcast and all of us that get to follow along with with what you can bring to the table that your stats, your knowledge look at you this whole podcast, right? It's just utter knowledge of the sport of bull riding. So um Pretty awesome, buddy, and we appreciate everything you do. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. And you guys do good stuff, man. The more the more voices we have in the sport, the better. And as this thing continues to grow, I want to see more NFP podcasts. I want to see us being able to sit here and talk about, man, that coach he fucked up. That was a bad coaching move. Last <laughs> yeah. So I think it's great what you guys are doing, and you know, the more voices in the industry, the better. Uh, Scott's got our infamous question for you as well. Hey, Justin, great talking to you today. It's so awesome to get the insight and the background behind everything. Uh, with the podcast here, it is called the NFP Podcast. We have our take on it. What's yours? All right. Well, I'll say this. I think there's this culture of like family, right, and rodeo and bull riding. And there's been a few nights where, you know, I like to go out to the bar and have a good time and have a few beers and hang out with the boys. And to me, what NFP is, is when anytime you see, because I'm from the East Coast, I didn't grow up a cowboy, I don't wear a cowboy hat, right? But I learned that you got to protect the cowboy hat at all costs. And I have seen multiple instances where one cowboy hat thrown in the air, and all of a sudden you got 20 cowboys jumping on some poor college kid or some poor guy. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, that to me – is what NFP is. It's when you mess with a bull rider, you mess with the entire locker room. So you want to talk about PBR teams and stuff? Don't mess with a guy's cowboy hat because I know a lot of guys in Northeast that think, oh, cowboy hat. Oh, oh. No, don't don't touch it. It ends bad every single time. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. I love it, buddy. That's cool. Yeah, okay. We'll get you back here. We'll, we'll maybe we'll, uh, yeah, if you're into it, you could be part of our uh part of our intros here with uh, when we get some new updates after the draft and all that sort of stuff, we can uh, keep bullshitting about some different things and then also get you back on, tell your, tell your actual personal side story. Cause uh, I'm fortunate enough to, to have got to know you since you first came around, I was new when you were new. So we kind of grew up in the sport a little bit together and got to know each other pretty good. So I've, uh, I, I even seen you, uh, I even seen your NFP come into play a couple of times there. Don't mess with Palesco, baby, Vegas Palesco. You don't mess with that boy. I tell you. I was going to say, you know, NFP too, right? Like I've uh, had a couple moments and I'll tell you what, it meant a lot when I had some bull riders stick up for me. That was, that was cool. So to know that I may not be a bull rider, but I got a little, a uh, little bull rider fire in me and had some backup at the bar once that, that was good. That was good. <laughs> awesome. uh, everybody, uh, everybody give uh, all our, our followers, you guys go give Justin a, a follow on. He's always, like we said, he's got the inside track and what's going on. So, um, yeah, he's our go-to. Yeah, the more Always followers, texting. the more tweets we're gonna get. So everybody, run his run his yep. Twitter count up. Yeah, what's your? Can you tell the people what it what it is, Justin? So people yeah. can go to it. Uh, at Jay Felisco, pretty simple. Jay, my last name, so easy to find. I try to be interactive when I can, but yeah, give me a follow and uh, we'll try to keep you guys updated because there's always something going on. So we try our best. 
Cool. And is there anything else that you want to talk about that we missed on uh, Felisco or anything like that right now that you can think of? We always ask our guests at the end if there's anything that they want to bring up or promote or anything like that. Shoot, man, just buckle up. We got a bunch of stuff going on, the finals, teams. Um, give it time, fans. And there's a lot of people saying, oh, man, I don't know how I feel about teams. I'm not sure. Give it a shot. All the bull riders, they had their hesitations. They're giving it a shot. And I think it's going to be really good for the sport. Um, I'm excited. I don't know who my favorite team is going to be. I'm not allowed to have a favorite team as a sports writer, but, you know, I think it's going to be fun to see which teams get that fandom and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see. Uh, Tanner, are you uh, unretiring? you declaring for the draft next year or anything? No, no, I'm good. I, I found a new gentleman in this team. So I'm good to go. I am. Scott's ready to fucking roll. 90 or nothing, baby. No, but it is going to be cool to see Dirt Eater, you know, and guys like Chase Outlaw that are out. Like, it, it, there's so many storylines. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see. There'll be some guys, I guarantee you, that fucking, after they see what went on through that, that year that are, that you're going to bring back over. Who knows? Maybe we'll see JB Mooney. I don't know. You know, there's all these different aspects of, of how this first year goes that, that you're going to see a, a different crop of guys coming in. Maybe some old boys retired coming back for the teams. It's going to be exciting to see. For sure. No doubt. Cool. Okay. We will get you back here, Flesco, but we appreciate your time. Hope you have a good second half of the World Finals. We'll be tuned in to, to your Twitter to see how it's going. Uh, appreciate you big time coming on this podcast. This has been our interview with Justin Flesco.